This is episode 121 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing Winter Youth 2006. There was no speaker in session four, so this is session five. Hey, before we start this morning, uh, I want to show you a video before I begin, but I wanted to, uh, I guess, not clear a few things up, but I, I want to just talk to you real quickly. Uh, the question, as I, as I meet many of you, uh, and we've met before, a lot of you that have been here. Some of you are like, I've been here five years in a row. Aren't you supposed to get done with high school in four years? So I, I didn't want to say that to you, but I'm thinking, wait, but you're still in high, oh, you're just holding on to that uh, winter youth. But um, anyways, it's great to be back. And the question that keeps coming up when people find out, you know, obviously here, uh, some of the stuff that I'm talking about, the number one question I get, not only from you, but from everybody, how do you go to a foreign show? And, uh, and, and just, uh, I guess I want to clear that up because it's not obviously a place uh, for, for everybody. It's not a, uh, a lot of people go, I, I could never go there. And my encouragement isn't uh, to just bring everybody with us and, and tell you all oh, this is a place that you can go to. It's a very, very dark place. I, I do, though, uh, say this to people, though. I believe that I have what these people want. Uh, they don't have what I want. And when we go, we, we don't do it flippantly. We don't just kind of show up randomly. A lot of prayer goes into it. A lot of people with us. Um, 11 of us will go uh, next week as we uh, head to Las Vegas, and uh, we don't wander around, we don't go shopping, we kind of stay put in one little booth, and people kind of pass us by all day long, and we get a chance to talk to them. And, uh, and when you see it up close, um, a lot of that stuff that a lot of you are thinking, wow, you, I can't believe you see those things, um, when, when you see it for what it is, uh, when, when you see some of these girls and, and you watch how the guys treat them, you watch as they walk by and they just assume because they're porn stars they can get a photo with them and they could touch them and they could do these things. And then you see the, the look on the girl's face like, I can't believe he just did that. And uh, you see kind of the hurt and the pain. And as we've gotten to know a lot of these people in the industry, you see firsthand that this isn't a life that a lot of them want to leave. And uh, it's really sad. My pastor went with me last um, show and he said, Craig, this is like the animal kingdom. These women are treated like dogs, and he goes, "These are somebody's, these are somebody's, uh, you know, daughters. These are, these, these are people here." And it's interesting. His wife wasn't with him, but um, he called his wife maybe 11, 12 times that weekend, and just saying, "Hey, how, how beautiful she was, how thankful he was for the relationship that that he had." And uh, and for me, I, I kind of feel the same way. You you leave this very dark place going, "Man, it, it's heavy." But it's not at all something that, I mean, we're not sitting there engaging in the things that these people are. We're, we're simply standing behind a booth and, and getting to interact with people. So um, I, I believe that God has his hand on our ministry, and I believe he watches out for us. But um, we're very careful on, 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 um, on this, and, and it's a lot of prayer. And so as we go uh, to Las Vegas um, next week, uh, you know, I'd ask you guys to, to pray for us as well. Um, on our website, too, there's one other thing some of you asked me about. We have this free software. Um, and it monitors where you go online, and it sends a report to anybody that you want it to of any questionable website that you visit. So let's say you're, you're struggling not with porn today, but you're just struggling with something that you wrote down on that piece of paper yesterday, and you want help, you want some accountability. Uh, this simple software, what it does, I mean, Jake, my, my best friend still, he still gets, him and my wife get my reports of any questionable website that I visit. Every two weeks, they get a reminder, hey, let's check in on Craig. Obviously, I see my wife more than, you know, I didn't have to check in. I see her all the time. But it's a reminder when she gets that email, hey, well, let me check. And there's no websites that I visit. I don't visit porn sites. But um, it's a reminder for them to ask me about stuff that matters, ask me about stuff that I've asked them and given them permission to talk to me about. And so that's a free software. It's on our website. It's, uh, it's called X3Watch. 
Uh, we have almost 300,000 people using that software. I've met several of you that have it. Um, one guy I met last night that said, you know what, I signed my dad up as my accountability partner. And I just shook the guy's hand because, man, it, it, I'm proud of that. Just to, it's gutsy to, to say, Dad, I want you to see what I see. And uh, I want you to have some, uh, keep me accountable on these issues. So that's something that's available for all you guys, whether you struggle with porn or not. Uh, it's up there on the site. And lastly, um, uh, we, we have this thing since mo most of you have iPods. And uh, we have an iTunes uh, podcast. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to it for free. We uh, have a radio show every, um, every other week that goes up there as far as videos and other cool interviews and stuff like that. Um, and, and you can get that for free if you go on iTunes and do a search for Triple X Church. But um, let me go ahead and pray, and then I'm going to show you a video as, um, this morning as we get started. So God, thanks um, <clears throat> just for what you're doing. And God, it's cool just to hear uh, Horn Guy uh, talk to a few of these students and just uh, hear what they're learning and hear what they're just kind of... Uh, finding out about you. And God, I pray as we continue, as this conference is, is not even, uh, it's not over yet. And God, as we still got uh, two days left, God, I pray that we can just um, start to listen to what it is that, that you have for us. And, uh, and God, start to, uh, to act upon those things that now that we know we should be doing. So God, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. I've been born again more times than I can remember. More times than anyone ought to, anyhow. Altar calls, raise your hand if you want Jesus in your heart moments. First time commitment prayers, then recommitment prayers. I've been slain in the spirit. I was even born again at a Billy Graham crusade. Nothing ever seemed to stick. I am born again lazy. I cannot let go. Or it seems that I'm only able to let go for a brief moment. Then as soon as I sit back down, I grab back onto this stuff. Onto these things I hold in my hands. Every time I was born again, I really did want Jesus badly. I've come to find that it is very difficult to hold onto something when your hands are already full. My full hands are starving Jesus. I call the stuff in my left hand dirty, the stuff in my right pretty. Dirty is basically my impure life, the abuse, the girls, the sex, the lust, the porn, all of it. Pretty is my successful life as an actor, my pride, my passion, my drive, my ambition. Together, they more or less have formed my identity up to this point. These two little handfuls have defined who I am. As hard as I'm holding on to them, they are holding on to me, not letting me go. But there is this voice, a voice that calls me to let go, to let go and get out of the pew, to go and do something. I had driven by myself from Chicago that night to hear Craig Gross speak at Mars Hill Church in Grand Rapids. I'd always been interested in what Triplett's church was doing and always loved Robert Bell, but I'd never actually been to Mars Hill or heard Craig live. So I expected to hear something about porn and how I really should stop looking at it. What I heard instead was much more than that. 
It was on this night that he was to tell the Mars Hill community that he and his family had decided to pack things up in California and join Mars Hill in Grand Rapids. He also spoke about listening to God's voice, about how God's sheep can hear and recognize his voice. As I look back on my journal over the past year, I see that I've been hearing all along. It turns out, I was starving the very Jesus whose voice I was desperate to hear. December 29th, 2005. Exactly one month from my 26th birthday. I'm trying to figure out what it is I want the rest of my life to be about. For the last 25 years, my life has all been about me and my career. I have succeeded. I am a success. Now what? This stuff, theater, my career, sex, porn, it isn't filling me up like it used to. I'm not sure who I am anymore. The stuff I've based my life on just isn't cutting it, so who am I? February 19th, 2006. I'm back in Chicago, still kind of shaken up by being at Mars Hill Church. I'm sensing that you're wanting me to step out in faith with you. I know that this feels right, but the weird thing is that there's this funny feeling in the pit of my soul. God, what is that? Fear? Opposition? Caution? What is it? God, keep talking to me. My ears are open. I'm tired and anxious. I'm exhausted and full of energy. Ah, how do I let go? It's 4 a.m. and I can't remember when the last time it was that I slept. I, I keep getting up and pacing my apartment. My heart beats out of my chest and I can't calm myself down. This, is, this has been going on for weeks now. That voice, it's getting louder. I still can't actually hear it, but that doesn't stop it from ringing in my ears. Let go, it says. Let it all go. How, though? I'm not sure I can. If I let go of who I am, then who am I? Then it comes. Like a quiet cloud, it comes. It doesn't tell me that everything is going to be okay doesn't even quiet my heart. No instant peace, no tears, no soft music. In complete silence, it comes. Let go, the voice says. Let it all go. Follow me. His old
So, uh, <clears throat> first time I talked to you guys, I talked to you about some of the people that I know that are caught up in some kind of crazy sin, caught up in some crazy things that they're doing. Yesterday I talked to you about maybe the things that you're actually involved in, and we, we listed out a number of things, and some of you, hopefully a lot of you wrote down things that are, are controlling you and things that you're addicted to, things that, that you need to let go of. And today I don't want to talk to you about the things that you're doing. Uh, we kind of covered that. Today I want to talk to you about the things that you're not doing. Uh, the Bible in James says, if you know what you ought to be doing and you don't do it, it's sin. So as we kind of keep on this morning topic of sin and the things that, you know, a lot of times we think, well, those are things, that the bad stuff, but yet the Bible is saying, if you know what you ought to be doing and you don't do it, it is sin. We came up with this idea, I told you yesterday about this tour that we did uh, this summer with the fast and all that. Well, we called it Starving Jesus, because that mindset of Starving Jesus, it kind of came out of that. We meet a lot of people that know what they ought to be doing, but don't do it. And we said, well, when you, you don't do those things that God and Jesus has asked us all to do, you're starving him. And we're not doing those to perform or to, to, to be a better Christian, but this is what our, our lives as, as Christians should be all about. It says in the Bible, you know, faith without works is dead. And it's not about working or earning our, our way into to heaven by any means, but our life here is so short, and God's called us to do things. He's given you gifts that he hasn't given the person next to you. He's given you a talent that he hasn't given the person next to you. He's given you a voice that some might not have, and we have a job to do. The, the last words on earth Jesus shared was go. And Jake's seminar, if you haven't gotten to that, check it out. I mean, he's going to spend a whole seminar talking about going. And that's the gospel, to, to go. It is really, if you, you kind of shorten up the gospel into to that one word, to, to go. So today, a, a few people that um, I've gotten to meet over the last year kind of come to mind again. That guy Blaine Hogan that you saw in the video. You might have recognized him from Fox's Prison Break. If you watched the show last season, Blaine was on the last five episodes of the year. Blaine's 20-something years old, studied theater, went to the theater school, did commercials, did all that. And then he finally got his big break for Prison Break. I mean, it's a good show. It's a big show on Fox. And uh, he was filming it in Chicago where he was living at the time, so he didn't have to move to L.A. He was enjoying life, had the parties on the weekend, had, had just, you know, starting to get some of that kind of fame. He started to get actually some cash, which, you know, life as an actor... It's a tough road. It's not just the easiest thing. And, and so he was on his way to achieving all that he thought this life was about. Sure, he was a Christian. Sure, he grew up at camp and, and conferences like you. But this was his gift. This was how he was going to use his gift. You know, and, and he wasn't doing you know, bad shows or anything like that. But he said there was this emptiness. There was this place in my life where I just felt like this isn't what God has for me. And I remember getting his email in July. He said, Craig, I was at that talk that you did over at the church, and, and something just spoke to me those next couple months as I started realizing, I mean, this life isn't just all about me, isn't about my dreams and, and what I want to do and my accomplishments. And at 26 years old, this is what Blaine thought life was all about and, and achieving more and more of this status. And so he sends me this email with a website to go to. So he said, I got to just thank you because I'm going to Mars. I was like, all right. 
And maybe if we have any old NSYNC fans, that guy Lance Bass, no one cares much about Lance anymore or ever did, but he, went to, he tried to go to Mars or space. He didn't raise enough money and no one really cared. And, and so, it kinda, so I'm going, Blaine Hogan, not really as big of a star as Lance Bass. He's going to Mars. This is kind of, what do you mean Mars? I clicked on the site, sendblainetomars.com, and I looked at it and it's like, I'm an actor. This is what I thought life was about. Me, me, me. But God's got something for me. Blaine's not a great student. He didn't just thrive in schooling. Probably got the clip notes like I, we talked about yesterday to many of books. And he says, though, God wants me to go to seminary. And, and so he enrolled in Mars Hill Seminary up in, in Seattle. And, and he says, you know what? I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I, I don't know why exactly other than I know that this is God speaking to me. And, and this is what God has for me. And it's interesting because he got a lot of mixed reactions, all his kind of Christian friends, even his parents. But we've spent all this money on your career. We, we've, and now what do you mean? You're going to go to seminary? You're going to be like a pastor? He goes, no, I don't know. I, I might remain an actor, and I might just take some of this knowledge that I learned in seminary and, and take that back into the, to the world of acting. I don't know, but I can't keep ignoring God. And this is what God has for me. And so he made this website. And it was just this cool thing. And I go, hey, we're going out on this tour this summer to talk about exactly what you're doing. Uh, and, you know, just listening to God's voice and actually doing something. And so it was just a cool just, just uh, experience to have Blaine on the road with us. He dressed up in this space kind of suit. And he, he, he didn't, you know, it was, just, it was just fun to have this guy share his story going, hey, you know what? I thought this was about me. In the end, God has something for me. I don't quite know exactly what it is, but I'm going to go after that because, I mean, what, what, I can't just keep going after just what I thought this life was all about. So Blaine's up in Seattle. He's having a great time. He's passing his classes. Uh, on the side, he's still making a couple, you know, short films and some stuff. But here's a guy that at 26 years old now is going, you know what? Let me see. Let me see what, what it is that God has for me over here. The other guy I want to tell you about is Dave the Horn Guy. You've met him. You've smelt the, the can of gas that he let out last night. You've uh, been woken up by him in, in the morning, and you've heard him honk. Well, there's an interesting thing about uh, Dave that many people don't know. Um, well, one of the interesting things is I used to date his wife. <laughs> and uh, he, he's in the back. That is, hey, hey, quiet over there. It wasn't really a date. We went to like this Christian high school where we weren't allowed to dance. Or, and so we go to prom and we couldn't dance. And so I took Amy one, and I didn't know Dave. He was in, not even around. He didn't even come up with his horn guy deal yet. And he was nowhere on the scene. So Amy and I, I picked her up in my mom's convertible, and we went to, uh, I'm going to just draw this out for you, Dave. No, anyways, we, we, go, to, we go to prom. And I remember, I looked, we looked at the photos when we were at their house a couple weeks, uh, months ago, and it was like me and Amy standing like this, like barely holding hands as we uh, went to this dance without dancing. But anyway, so that's how I, I, I kind of knew about Dave. Oh, and Amy got married, and, you know, obviously I got married, and so we went our separate ways. But then Dave calls me because uh, Dave's wife is really good friends with my sister. So Dave calls me almost two years ago now. I hadn't ever really met this guy, and, you know, I had heard about him through Amy, and, you know, I lost contact with Amy because you normally do that after girls that you date that you end up not marrying. And once they get married, it's a good idea to not talk to them or keep those relationships going. Um, just a helpful hint from Craig here. But, uh, um, but now, so Dave calls me. Hey, Dave, what's going on? Hey, I, I got to let you know. I know you're the porn guy, and, uh, but I, I, I'm, the, I'm the horn guy. And, uh, 
Yeah, cool. And so he tells me this kind of crazy story. Dave comes up with this act, um, and, and I told him he should show you the video, and I think he has it, but he's a little embarrassed of it, but if he, maybe we'll get him to show it later. Um, Dave came up with this act. He used to be a worship pastor, and, and so he's enjoying life. He's got four kids and a wife, and, you know, and that's how he supported his family because he can play a bunch of instruments besides these horns. And so he, he calls me, and he says, you know, Craig, so my, uh, my church was doing a Christmas musical, and they wanted like this finale. So I, I came up with this idea. I saw this, and, and I thought I could do this. So he went out and bought horns, bike horns from Walmart. And then, I don't know, music people, some of you are a little weird. He started cutting up the horns so they made different sounds, put them on his body, and then he came out with jingle bells. Now, those horns are like major money on him, like that outfit, so don't, don't steal them from him. Not that you can get them off him, but they're all chromatically tuned, I don't know, highs and lows, whatever music. They make good sounds, unlike bike horns. And so he does this finale for his church, and everyone starts freaking out. And so within like a couple weeks, Jay Leno calls him. And they say, would you like to come on the Tonight Show? And he's like, sure. And so they flew him out there. He goes on the Tonight Show with the Walmart horns. The thing looks pretty funny because he can barely squeeze out jingle bells in the old Dave the Horn guy suit. And then he ends up through a kind of a chain of events months later going, you know what? Well, is this what God has for me? Like become the horn guy? And so he calls me and he says, Craig, I'm wrestling with this thing. I mean, music pastor, four kids, a wife, this is how I make my living. But I did this thing a few months ago, and it kind of went crazy. People freaked out over it. I went on Leno, and all these things happened. And, do you think I could do this, like, as a job? <laughs> and I remember we had this conversation. I go, well, where else have you performed? Uh, street corners. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're going to tell your wife, like, I'm going to do this as a job, and my main source of income is going to be from street corners? And he goes, well, no, they're, you know, like on a busy intersection on a Friday night, like downtown, it goes well. And I'm going, yeah, I think you could do this as a job. And because and I'm sure Dave had heard many of conversations of people going, no, you're crazy. That, you can't do that as a job. And he, he goes, what do you think, Craig? I go, I think, I mean, I could see you doing halftime shows. I could see you doing, you know, Winter Youth. I could see you doing all these kind of crazy events, but I don't think it's going to be easy. But how do you know that this is what God wants you to do? And I remember we talked some more, and then he sent me an email that night. It was two, three pages. I still have it. And because he laid out this chain of events in his life, and his wife's life, that, that kind of led them to this understanding of this is God's voice, and God, yeah, this is a God thing. Because sometimes it's hard to decipher if that's God speaking to you or if that's actually just you and, you know, your thoughts and your, your kind of things that you've dreamed up. And so Dave was clear that, no, this is a God thing. God has something for me down here. And so we helped him kind of get started, and we, we, we just started this relationship with him. Uh, and it's just been a neat road to watch. And those first months are a struggle. It's still been a struggle for him. He's not, you know, by any means, you know, uh, has this been easy? But I'll never forget, six months after the point of him saying, you know what, I'm going to quit my job. I mean, imagine turning in your resignation and, and, and saying, I quit, and they ask you, what are you going to go do? Uh, I'm going to put 25 horns to my body and, and go around and, and play at events? And, and people had never heard of anything like that. And, and, and he's fired up about it, going, you know what, this is what God has for me. So six months later, a tough six months not an easy six months, not a huge amounts of things happening. He gets this phone call from America's Got Talent. Uh, you know, the show with, uh, that Simon Cowell produced this summer. And it was interesting because I remember talking to Dave afterwards. He goes, dude, I don't even have to audition for the show. 
I, I can't make the audition dates because I got other things that I'm doing. So they say, you're perfect for this show. We want you on. As you watch this summer, as many of you probably watched the show and suffered through the show like the rest of us because it was bad. Uh, a lot of the acts were horrible. The judges were horrible. But it was interesting to watch the commercials and all the exposure. And this now, I remember in those conversations I had with Dave later going, hey, this would have been a lot easier to make this step of faith had I known this was around the corner. And yet some of you, we can't see around the corner. God can see. I mean, God knows the plans that he has for us. And sometimes it takes us listening to God's voice and going, you know what? Yeah, if I don't do that, I mean, I'm not going to experience all that God has for me. Dave has experienced quite a ride. It still hasn't been, you know, the easiest way to support four kids, but the joys of him, obviously, uh, being able to travel around. We were with him at the Indiana Pacer game uh, a couple uh, weeks ago as, as he now performs at a halftime show. I watched him in front of all the Disney executives. And, yeah, he honked his horns great. But then he, they looked at him and go, how did you come up with this? And right there in front of all the executives at Disney, he said, you know what? I used to be a pastor. And, and he told him this whole experience didn't water it down. If you're sitting next to the guy on a plane, hopefully he'll take the outfit off. But uh, I, I've heard him, over, overheard him in the conversations. No, I do this thing called the horn guy. And yeah, sometimes I'm not able to like, share my faith. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm in and out for two minutes. But he's, he's getting to let people know that the fire inside of him comes from the Lord. And he's living this uh, abundant life that, that God has for him. And it's been neat to watch. And, and it all maybe wouldn't have happened had he go, no, it's safer over here. You know, I don't know what, what's in store for Blaine, but I know the things that he's experienced far, are, are far greater than just going, okay, yeah, let me just chalk up another TV show over here. The last guy I want to tell you about is a, a guy who worked for the, the clothing company Hurley. Uh, you know, many of you wear the clothes, cool company, and, and, and great. This guy's a surfer, uh, and 25 years old, making a great job, a, a great salary. He's like the main sales rep for the whole state of Florida. He's doing really well, like financially. Uh, it wasn't, didn't even have to go to college because he kind of just fell into this job, and he's doing really well. Well, one night, his world was kind of sh shaken, turned upside down. He was at a rock concert, and outside the concert, there was this girl, maybe 20 years old, and she looked just kind of beat up, not physically beat up, but just down, depressed, borderline kind of suicidal. She dealt with things like cutting and depression, and just she was a wreck. And my friend Jamie said, you know what, I had no choice but to just talk to her. He ended up talking to her, uh, tried to take her over to rehab and get her checked in. And they said, no, she's too great of a risk to, to, to be here because she's got uh, cutting uh, uh, kind of open wounds and, and we can't take her. Come back in five days. So Jamie looked at his friends and he just said, well, what are we going to do with her? And they said, we're going to love this girl. We're going to treat her to the best, you know, show her the best uh, of, that the town has to offer. We're going to uh, make this the best five days of her life so she could maybe write love on her arm instead of these things that she'd written in the past. So uh, the crazy thing uh, happens, and they get her checked into rehab five days later. He writes a story about it. He puts it up on MySpace. MySpace is filthy. It's got so much garbage on there, yet there's some kind of bright lights shining in MySpace like this thing called to write love on her arms. He writes a story talking about his experience, and it's amazing. Uh, it, it's just, it kind of just takes off. People start to just kind of get behind this story and, and encourage him and encourage this girl, Renee. And I remember getting an email. It was in the middle of the night. And he says, Craig, um, I, I work a, a normal job. I make great money. 
I, here's my experience I had with this girl, and I feel like God's now leading me to, to quit my job and, and, and do take care of these people now I'm meeting on MySpace. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, dude, I, I can't keep doing this. I'm staying up till 3, 4 in the morning dealing and answering MySpace email messages of people that have thoughts like Renee, people that are dealing with cutting and suicide and, and all this. And I'm thinking about like quitting my job and like doing this thing. I, same thing to him that I said to Dave, how do you know this is God? And he writes me back and we kind of keep on this conversation and it's got to be God. He's convinced, so he turns in his notice, leaves a six-figure salary job at Hurley walks away from it, and he says, you know what, I'm going to go help these people I don't even know that are emailing me like crazy on MySpace. Jamie now, to watch what's happening, the ministry's brand new, to write loveonerarms.com is the website, or you can find it on MySpace if you're on there. And it's amazing as he's dealing with so many hurt and broken people. They started selling these t-shirts to help other people that are in need, and, and bands have started to wear these shirts, and things have just exploded. And here's a guy that was kind of faced with, do I leave what's comfortable? Do I really kind of take this God thing serious enough to start listening to him and actually doing something about it? Or do I just stay content? And I'd love to stand up here and say, you know, I'm like all my, uh, these friends and these people. But when God talks to me, I listen. I, I do it instantly. And I wish I could say that. But I have doubts. I have those things that, and it's sin, those things that I'm going, no, God. Those aren't my plans. I have these noise cancellation headphones, and they're pretty cool because when you travel a lot and you're on a plane and sometimes people like to talk a lot and, and just kind of go crazy, you can't hear anything if you put these things on. Like it, you, you listen to your music or your iPod, you know, videos, and it's just great because you can't then hear what's going on around you. And, you know, it's, it works well. Sometimes in life, though, I think I like to keep these things on. I like to kind of go about what I'm doing and my plans and the things that I have. And then God kind of tries to chime in, and it's like, no, you can't get through. And here's what I've noticed after 31 years of my life and over 17 years as kind of a Christian. And uh, I've noticed that God can get through noise cancellation headphones. It doesn't matter how you're trying to block him out, no matter what you're trying to do, that God can break through even the best of the stuff that we uh, have to try and drown out his voice. And I don't know what it is that you're not doing. And once again, this isn't just uh, a performance thing at all. But God's given you gifts. He's given you things that he has for you, and, and he's asked us to do certain things. And when we don't do those things, when we start ignoring God and going about our own business, you're going to wind up driving yourself crazy. I'm sitting in California because that's where I live for all my life. And I'm at this taco place and I'll never forget it. And I'm signing papers on my house. We bought this house and and now we were fixing our loan. So we were like good to go on this loan for the rest of our lives. We're going to live in this house. That's what I thought. And so I kind of made this loan all right and, and, and made it like this shorten up the time frame. And so I'm signing papers and I noticed something's a little odd on the loan. And I asked the loan guy that's sitting there at this taco stand uh, shop with me. And I go, hey, is this right? I thought it was supposed to be this interest rate. Then I hear this voice and God says, don't worry about it, Craig, you're moving. It was kind of like this funny sense of humor, God. Yeah, funny, God, I'm eating tacos, signing this big kind of paper for this loan. This 
things not really right, I need to worry about it because in case you haven't heard, I'm not moving. No, no. We're, we're, and so I'm kind of wrestling through this in my head and the guy's like signed the paper and I'm like, well, no. so I made him call the company and make, made, made him fix that mess. He fixed it, said, okay, yeah, I'm glad you did worry about this. I went on with my life for three months. My neighbors sell their house. There's a for sale sign. I'm like, God, it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, they, you must be talking to them too, or maybe I didn't listen, so they're moving. Then like my other neighbor puts their house for sale. We had a vacant lot next to us, and then that goes for sale. My wife, hey, everyone's kind of moving. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of weird, you know? Uh, and all these kind of reminders, all these kind of, I think, things for me to go, hey, Jeanette, that's my wife, uh, maybe, you know, I should tell you about kind of what I heard from God. Then I start kind of playing that, no, it wasn't really God. I mean, because, I mean, I don't want to move. And so for three months, this goes by, and I'm scared to death going, God, I, I don't know, can you stop? And I'm thinking, if I keep kind of putting these headphones on, or if I keep kind of going about my business, he'll bother somebody else. He'll send Blaine back to Mars. He'll send, get, give Dave another idea for, you know, another horn thing. He'll give other people like Jamie ideas and, and this and that, but he'll, he'll get off my back because I don't want to move. So one night I'm in St. Louis. I just finished this youth conference last year. And, and, and I drive from St. Louis to Chicago. It's about a three-hour drive. And, and I remember my CDs were in the trunk and my iPod was in the trunk. So I had no music to listen to. And I'm like, three hours? Oh, this is kind of lame. I can go in the trunk, but it's awfully cold. And so I'm kind of a wuss. So I'm like, all right, I'll just try and mess with the FM radio. Nothing to listen to. So then what I do? what I do? I go, all right, God, I got like two and a half hours left. Um, you told me like three months ago that I'm going to move, and I don't know if that's some sort of joke or what, but I haven't prayed about it once. I haven't talked to my friends about it. I haven't talked to my wife about it. I haven't spent any time listening to your voice anymore about this because I don't want to move. So I'll give you like two and a half hours. So if you tell me, fill me in on what's happening. And if you don't, in two and a half hours, hey, bummer. I mean, we're not having this conversation again. And I don't know if this is kind of how you talk to God, but uh, sometimes it's, it's just real. I, I go, God, because I, I don't want these things that you're saying. Why would you mess up my world like this? And so I start to, like, listen, and nothing happens. Like Blaine in that, in that video, I love when he goes, there was no soft music, no loud voice, Blaine. You know, that's like movies. You know, that, that's not really going to happen. I'm in the car, turn down the radio, and I'm waiting for, like, that voice through the speakers. Here's why you're moving. I don't even know where I'm supposed to move to. And I remember just listening. So then what do I do and what do some of you do when we don't get answers because we're impatient and we can't stand silence sometimes? We kind of help God out. Hey, God, just in case you want to know, I've like traveled the world. So, uh, you know, at least the United States, I know kind of where I could live and where I couldn't live. So here's my top five. Um, <laughs> Phoenix, I like it. Portland, I actually like because my, my wife's family's from here. I always that would make her so happy. We could live here. It's, you know, we got a nice airport. Uh, Nashville, yeah, so Nashville, Phoenix, uh, Portland. Uh, Atlanta. And then I was like, God, can I retract Atlanta? Because if you've ever flown to Atlanta, there's this Hartsfield Airport. It's kind of like what hell's going to be like. Um, just take a visit to Atlanta's Hartsfield Airport. And so I was like, I, I, I fly too much to have to go out of there. And then I, I told him, uh, uh, there's one other city, I, I don't even know at this point. But uh, and then I, I kind of get hit upside the head and God's saying, hey, this isn't about you. This isn't about like where you think you can live. And I'm like thinking, this is like my, my selfish kind of thoughts. 
I'm thinking about sporting teams, and because I'm kind of a sports fan, of like what, what you know, what games I could go to, and then I'm thinking about weather because I'm kind of a wuss and I don't like you know too cold of weather, or you know I like kind of nice climates, and so then I'm going, okay, this isn't about weather. It's not about what sport team I can be close to because I'm thinking I really don't want to live live anywhere else. But hey, if I got to, I might as well have what I want over here. So then God kind of says. I feel this kind of nudging that this isn't about me. It isn't about what I want exactly. But God knows the plans. And we've had this ministry now for years. And we've done other things on the side to kind of make a living. And we've had this other thing going on. But I felt God saying in that car ride that, Craig, I want you to build the ministry. I want you to sow into that like you've kind of sowed into these other things. And that's what I want you to do. And I want to put you around people that get it that understand what you do, and that will, uh, will help grow this thing. And immediately I'm like, oh, God. Like, no, that means, because there's just like one cool place that we've been several times in Grand Rapids. It was a cool church, and they liked us, and they got our vibe and what we did. I'm like, are you talking about like Grand Rapids, Michigan? And it was like silent. So I remember I, I told my wife when I got back to California, and I, I said, hey, you know what? I don't know for sure if it's Grand Rapids, but I feel like God has this move for us. I've known about it for like three months, but I've ignored it. What? Why didn't you tell me? Well, I didn't want to do it. And I, and I remember she didn't want to do it either. I remember she, she says, we're where, Craig? And I go, well, I think Grand Rapids, Michigan. I mean, I think we need to go out there. I think we need to pray some more about it. I think we need to meet some of these people out there. But she goes, wait, that's like 3,000 miles away from my house in Oregon. Like, and she starts crying. It was on Thanksgiving, too, of last year, which is always a fun way to celebrate, you know, turkey when your wife's bawling. And then she says to me, like, hey, Craig, why don't you keep praying? And there's this cool book for wives, like Power of a Praying Wife. Not that you should read it before your wife. But I don't know if they have Power of a Praying Girlfriend, but maybe they'll come out with that. And so she's reading that book at the time. I'm like, hey, you're reading that Power of a Praying Wife book. Maybe you can, like, outpray me, and we can, like, change God's mind on this thing. And um, it didn't work. And so if you fast forward months ahead, we moved. Our family said we're crazy. I mean, it not only snows in this place, it beyond snows. It's like, it's just, I didn't even own a coat, really. And we moved there. We know nothing about really the culture there. We, we don't know uh, about the Dutch that are there. And I, I just knew you went Dutch on Sadie Hawkins dance. I didn't know there's like, you know, this whole community of Dutch people and what that means. And, uh, and there's things that we don't understand, but God is up to something. I remember telling my friends and my family, and they're going, well, I'll give you a year before you move back. And I just said, you know what? This isn't something we've dreamed up of. My wife has this plaque above her desk the whole time, like as I go in the office every day during those three months. I like walk in, and I see above her desk, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans not to harm you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I bought that plaque for my wife on her, on her like, first anniversary and framed it, and it's her favorite verse. And I'm like walking by it those months going, yeah, it's a cool plaque, I bought that. But never reading it, going, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Like, God knows why I moved to Grand Rapids. God knows what Blaine's doing in Mars. God knows why Jamie quit his job. God knows why, why Dave quit his job and is being the horn guy. Like, God knows the plans. And sometimes if we can't see out just a month or two or a week or two, we get scared and go, no, 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 okay, God, I, I don't know. And now that I've been to Grand Rapids since April... 
I mean, our ministry has kind of taken off the, some great kind of growth, and other people have, I've, we've convinced that it's like this really great place to live, and it doesn't snow that much. We've kind of lied a little. No, we haven't lied. But uh, we've just said, hey, it's great, because it has been great for us. And other people have moved there, and we're, we've just bought this house that we're going to have an intern program. And a lot is just, I can go on and on and tell you about, I get it. My wife gets it while we're there. She gets what's happening all around us. And we have this conversation just shortly right at Thanksgiving this year, because this all happened this past year. And I said, why was I so chicken? Like, why did I wait like three months to have that conversation with God? Like, what, what did I have to lose? What do you have to lose? I mean, maybe God's been speaking to you for three months. Maybe he's been speaking to you for three days. Maybe he's been speaking to you for three years. And you're just going, God, no, 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 those aren't my plans. And you're trying to wait to his plans align with yours. And let me tell you, they don't need to align with what you think your plans are, because God knows your plans. And when you live this life ignoring God, you're missing out. And James says you're, you're sinning. You're not only missing out, but you're not doing the right thing, because God knows what he's got for you. And, and, and sometimes it takes us responding to that and going, all right, God, I, I trust you. I mean, Peter had to get out of the boat, and he didn't think he could walk on water. It took him getting out of the boat and then going, oh, yeah, this is cool. Takes his eyes off Christ, and he falls. People go, oh, well, these people that I, I, I share, uh, just shared with you about, well, they're like supernatural or they're, you know, like got this crazy faith. No, I mean, we have all, all of these guys. We all have doubts. We all wonder still what we're doing. I'm sitting out there shoveling my driveway going, what? Like, uh, what, what, are you sure, God? Like, I'd never seen it. It snowed like before I left here. It's all this snow, and I had to go buy a shovel from Walmart. I looked like the biggest idiot out there trying to, where did I put it? Oh, just put it in a pile over there, and it will melt come March. Yeah, that's fun. And uh, my mom bought the kids sleds for Christmas, and I'm like, yeah, that's neat. That means we have to go outside and actually, you know, take part of this stuff. But, uh, so it's not about all oh, this extraordinary faith. I mean, Jesus says it like this in Matthew 17. He's talking about um, when he heals a, a demon-possessed boy. In chapter 17, verse 14, he says, They arrived at the foot of the mountain. A huge crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, You stubborn, faithless people. How long must I be with you until you believe? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You didn't have enough faith. Jesus told you, them, I assure you, even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And so I don't want to freak you out this morning and go, okay, well, you start listening to God, it means you have to maybe be here spiritually when you really you think you're here. And God's saying, look, these disciples, I mean, you guys didn't even get it. You didn't even have the faith of even a mustard seed. If you had that, it, it would have worked. And so my, my encouragement to you would be, you do, some of you think, oh, well, no, that maybe later. Or maybe when I get older or more wise and, and more knowledge of God. And God's saying, no, you know what? If you just have a little bit right now, we together can do some amazing things. If you move over to John 10, when Jesus is talking about being the Son of God, 
In verse 24, the Jewish leaders kind of pressed him and they asked him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're really the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I've already told you. You don't believe me. The proof is what I do in the name of my Father. But you don't believe me because you are not part of my flock. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else, so no one can take them from me. The Father and I are one. My sheep recognize my voice, I know them, and they follow me. My sheep, they recognize my voice. God knows who you are. And it says that you follow him. Whether that's a move across the country, whether that's just a move out your front door to tell your friends and your people you go to school with about God, whether that's using your gifts and all that God's given to you for his glory, whether that's just you kind of sitting in front of God and going, God, here I am. Use me. I don't know what it looks like, but God, I'm open to go where it is that you want me to go. Some of you, though, I believe, already know what it is that God has for you. He's blessed you in ways that, that you're, you're sure that this is a God thing, and, and you're just scared because you don't know what those plans look like. And let me tell you, it's, it's such a fun place to be in. When you go, all right, God, I'm going to trust you up there, and I'm going to follow you. And I know it brings a smile to God's face because he, he's saying, you know what? Yeah, they get it. They get what I'm all about down there, and then they, they want to serve me in a way where, where I'm in control. So my challenge to you this morning would be to stop ignoring God's voice in your life. Take these headphones off. Like these noise cancellation headphones, or for me, you maybe it's not the headphones. Maybe it is the sin in your life that is actually clouding your vision or clouding your, your hearing from hearing God more clearly. Sometimes it's not just, okay, we're not doing these things, but instead we're doing these other things. And I'll close with this story. I, I keep telling you next week as we head to the porn show, we're, we're ex, ex, just so excited about some of the opportunities in front of us. But as I go back, I'm going to have a tough time with one aspect of what I'll have to see. About a year and a half ago, a girl named Stephanie called my cell phone. I'll never forget it. I was on my way to San Diego. I was taking my son to the zoo. I get this phone call. It's on my cell phone. I'm like, huh, this is a weird number. I don't know anybody that, that lives in this area code. And so I picked it up real quick and she says, Craig, you don't know me, but I, I just finished reading your book. I'm sitting here in Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm about to go on stage at a strip club and perform for all the people there. She kind of starts to cry. She kind of tells me about her life. She spent about 10 years in the adult industry one of the biggest stars in the adult industry, and now she makes her living, not having to do pornography, but getting to go around to these clubs and make thousands of dollars to make an appearance. 
She says, Craig, I, I can't do this much longer. And I said, so do you have anybody in your life that, that cares about you, anybody that could help? And I said, who gave you my book? Well, my your friend of a friend of a friend. I said, well, did you have a church? Yeah, I've been going to church. I, I know that I'm not supposed to do what I'm, I'm doing right now, and I know God's going to use me. I want to go back to college. I want to get my um, bachelor's degree, finish that, which I'm close to, and then I want to get a master's in psychology, and I want to help people that, that are thinking about coming out of the industry that have this past and this baggage. I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. I know it. Well, why aren't you doing it, Stephanie? Well, this life. I mean, you know, the money I make, uh, I, I, I could just go and make this appearance, and, you know, and that maybe will help me down the road. And I go, how long are you going to play those games for? I, I said, hey, can I connect you with a friend of mine that would love to? She, she's a great gal, and she'd love to talk to you. And she says, sure, call me on Monday. So I can't wait. On Monday, I call her, and you know, we pray for her as, as, as I know she's involved in something that weekend that she doesn't really want to do. Monday comes around, she doesn't pick up my phone call. I try her back on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and now I'm like, okay, I get it. She kind of knows what she should be doing. She makes this phone call, feels bad about it. Maybe that will satisfy her for the next couple months, and then she'll have kind of another down moment, and she'll call again. So we just wait. And a lot of our ministry dealing with some of these people, you wait. You think, man, we're not making a difference. We're, we're not doing, having an impact. And so you sit and wait. So last year, January, at the same show we're going to next week, I, I'm sitting there, and I actually stopped, and I went and, and, and grabbed some food. And girl Katie used to be in my junior high group, and, and, and she's this great gal now, and she's helping our, our booth, and she's there. And I come back, I go, Katie, uh, what, what's happening? She says, this girl's looking for you, Craig, and she's a porn star. And let me just tell you, I don't deal with most of the girls. Uh, you know, They don't know who I am. We have a team of girls that deal with the girls, and I deal with some of the guys. And this, there's only one girl that I, I thought maybe might be looking for me. I said, was it Stephanie? And she says, I think. I call her real quick on my cell phone. I say, it's Craig. Are, are you looking for me? She goes, yeah, I'm downstairs signing autographs. And uh, I go, what are you doing here? I, I thought you are not. Well, I'm not actually back in, but I'm like, now I'm just signing autographs. And I go downstairs. I said, can we meet? I took my friends Angela and Rachel with me that are professional hair and makeup artists. and They work for all these people from MTV, and they're just great at what they do, and they love the Lord. I said, come with me. We're going to have lunch, hopefully, with Stephanie. And, and i got to tell you about her story. She called me months ago. We never kind of kept in contact. She knows what it is that she should be doing, but she's not doing it. So we have lunch. We had to kind of take her away and wait a good half hour as we stood there, and we watched autograph after autograph take place. And we could see right through that smile. She wasn't enjoying this. This isn't what she wanted to be doing. Then we had lunch. I'll never forget watching her eat lasagna with Cheetos. She told me to try it. It's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Who puts Cheetos in? And I go, you just gave it. If these people that got your autographs knew that you're eating lasagna with Cheetos, I don't know if they get your autograph. But uh, yeah, we're, we're having this talk, and we're, I'm just, okay, I'll try it later. But uh, we, we had this conversation. Angela and, and, and Rachel asked if we could pray for her. 
And it was just an amazing kind of moment. They said, hey, you know, I know you're going to this award show tonight. Could we do your hair and makeup and, and just make you look beautiful? And, and we just want to do that for free. And, and they, they exchanged numbers. And I just kind of sat there and kind of watched as the three of them kind of talked. And then I heard something I'll never forget. She says, you know what, guys, I'm not that bad of a person. And we go, you know, God loves you despite of all those things. And we're not, we don't think you're a bad person. And then she kind of went into this, you know, all my life, I haven't done that many bad things. I've never been into drinking. I've never even smoked. I've never done drugs. And I, I got into this industry, and I didn't think I'd stay in it. But and besides that, I'm, I mean, I go to church with my mom, and I want to do these things. But so why are you still here? She goes, you know what, I, I can't answer that. I just can't do the right thing. And she says, but I, I got to let you guys know, I, I did start drinking. I go, what? You just said you don't drink. She goes, well, I, I perform at these clubs now to make money. I have to go for about a half hour and do these you know, appearances. And she says, you know when you're doing what you're not supposed to do? It, it's, it's tough time doing it, right? She goes, is that God? Is that God kind of just convicting me to, to tell me that I shouldn't be doing these things? We're like, yeah. So I go, how do you make it through the night? She says, I get completely wasted. I drink before I go on stage like I've never drunk before. It's the only thing that will block out God's voice. What do you say? We prayed. It's been a tough year. Talked to her once. She's back into it full-blown now. Videos, the whole nine yards. I just read an article about her going, what? This isn't who we met? This year we'll have to see this huge banner when we walk in the front of the show with her face on it. And yet, I just think, what's she doing now? How is she blocking out that voice? I, I dealt with it for three months and it drove me crazy. This gal now, a year and a half of just trying to get rid of God's voice and, and bringing other things now into her life. To block that out. Maybe some of you have done that. You know what it is that God wants you to do, and now not only are you not doing it, but now you're bringing other things into your life to avoid that conversation that you know you and God need to have. Go ahead and bow your heads with me. John 10. Verse 27 says, My sheep recognize my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Today, if you know, the Bible talks about sheeps and the goats, the sheeps being God's people. You've got to understand that it says, My sheep, that they recognize, they know that's my voice. So when you hear these stories today of going, how did he know that that was God? My sheep recognize my voice. They know it's me. They do what I say. I don't know what it is that God's trying to get through to you. Maybe you're caught up in a bunch of stuff. Maybe the paper wasn't big enough yesterday for, for you to write down all the things that you're going through. And then again, maybe you're not going through that much. Maybe it's, you're not addicted to things. You're not struggling with much sin. 
You're simply just not listening. And the Bible says it's sin. When you know what you ought to be doing, and you're not doing it. So I pray today, the first step is taking those headphones off and start listening for God's voice. Maybe today, even, even as we go about it, and this afternoon, maybe what you need to do is say nothing to anybody and just listen. And it will drive you nuts after maybe about a half hour going, okay, God, what I, this is weird because I don't hear anything. Because you might not even know what it sounds like to hear God's voice because you've had those headphones on for so long and you've been about your own things for so long. Or maybe, like Stephanie, what you need to do is Realize all those other things that you're trying to do to avoid God. Those things need to go. You need to listen to his voice, recognize that it's him, and start to do today what it is that he wants you to do. God, I pray that you speak to these students. God, I know you will. I know you show up and you say things and you do things, and to, uh, all of us in different ways, God, and God, those little things I know have encouraged me in my faith just the, the, over this last year and, 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 and kind of put some of my doubts aside because I know, no, that's, that's my God. That's my, my dad talking. I trust that because, God, it says that you know the plans that you have for us. So, God, I pray that we hold on to that no matter what situation we're going through, no matter what it is that we're doing or we're not doing. I pray that we hold on to that there's a God that sits in heaven, that once came down to earth and saved us of our sin. And God, you have good things. You have a more abundant life for us. You have better things in store for us. And some, some of us just never will take you up on those things. Never start to experience what it is that you have for us. Never take those headphones off. God, I pray that we do. We start to listen. And God, we start to respond to you. Praise in your name. Amen.